The resurrection of Jesus, to me, it means hope. It means that there is an end to the darkness that we see in this world, an end to the um, evil experiences that we have. For me, it means that there is light at the end of the tunnel, that there is something more for us out there. Coming to the realization that I'm a sinner was uh, quite an uh, important part of my faith journey. But knowing that my Jesus Christ is risen is what frees me from that shame and the sin that burdens me. The resurrection of Christ means that I am the daughter of the living God and I get to spend eternity with Him. The resurrection of Jesus adds life to my story. And it did then when I accepted and I said yes to Him and it continues to do the same right now. I encountered the power of God um, in my early years, and that changed my whole worldview. And I, I said yes to him, and he continues to shape me, he continues to build me, he continues to strengthen me through all the tough times, all the challenges. The resurrection means everything to me. Well, happy Easter, everybody. Thanks for joining us online at Bush Lake today. We're glad that you're with us. And I understand that our, our um, Woodside room is full this morning. So we want to give a shout out to you. We didn't expect that to be the case, but we have a beautiful Easter buffet for all of you in the Woodside room today. Don't feel bad about that here. But would all of you join me in saying a welcome to the first Easter experience we just opened up our new Westwood campus out in Mound West Tonka. They're experiencing Easter for the first time in that community with Westwood. So let's give it up and welcome all of the guests that are with us out in the Mound West Tonka. We're wishing you the best Easter and God's goodness um, in that community. And uh, it's Easter. I, I just love the rebirth of Easter. So can I just put a sidebar note in here? The Minnesota Timberwolves made the playoffs. And they won their first game yesterday. For all us basketball fans, this is called new birth. So <laughs> we're very excited about it. But really, ultimately, Easter is about Jesus Christ. That Jesus died, but he didn't stay dead. He rose again, and he is alive, and he's present. He's even working in our midst as we gather in all of our different sites today. And so, in the name of the risen Christ, welcome. My message today I really want to clarify what the resurrection means. And we already heard in the video story at the top of uh, the message what it means to some people. It means hope and light. It means freedom. It means belonging. It means life today and life for eternity. And all those things are true because at the heart, at the core of Easter, what the resurrection means is that you can have right standing with God. Not everybody understood that then. And I'll be honest, not everybody understands that even today, that you can have right standing with God. But that is the promise that is declared for us in Romans where we read, but now a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. Paul says, but now. Something new is being added. Something is different and that Something specifically is 
a righteousness. And we just circle that. It's such an important word. In the Greek, we translate it into English, righteousness, but it can also be translated as right standing, that you can have right standing with God. That's the promise that is made. And it's such an incredible promise, something that we come to understand in our personal relationships because we know what it means to have right standing with each other in relationship. When things are right between us in relationship, we say things are good, they're fine, they're right between us. But we also know that when things are not right between us, when there is not right standing, when that's the case, we don't say we have um, everything good, we say things aren't good, things aren't fine, things aren't right between us. And usually there's an elevated sense of uncertainty or maybe confusion Perhaps experientially, there's a distance or even a detachment in relationships. You begin to wonder, will I ever be in right standing with this person again in my life? And yet the deep longing of our hearts is to be in right standing with each other. Wouldn't you agree with that? We want to be in right standing with each other. And in fact, uh, I have a firsthand experience that really speaks to the truth of that. For those that have been with us in the Westwood journey, you know part of this story. And that is uh, my mom and dad, they were divorced when I was 10 years of age. And they were estranged from each other for most of my childhood as well as into my adult years. And my mom and dad had seven kids, one year after the other, all with the name Jay and it. Jay, Joel, Johnson, Jody, Jill, JC, and Josh. I'm just saying, puts a lot of pressure on the family system. Seven kids in a less than a, a eight and a half year window. Amazing. It was a different day. And, uh, and yet, when I speak on behalf of my siblings, and I think I can sincerely do this, that I, along with them, we really wanted things to be right between mom and dad. Even as we grow into our adult years, we wanted them to be right with each other. About 12 years ago, my mom put her faith in Jesus Christ, and it would change the whole trajectory of her life. About the same time, my father was diagnosed with cancer and was dying. And my mom reached out and said, Joel, I'd like to arrange a meeting with your father. And I thought, whoa, okay. So we made that happen. She came to Minneapolis, and they met together alone for several hours. They put everything on the table. And when she emerged, this is what I learned. I didn't get to hear the whole conversation, but she said that your dad asked for forgiveness, wishing that he could turn the page back. But she said, we can only live with right now. And she says, I forgive you. And then she asked for forgiveness. They forgave each other. Can I just tell you that they emerged in right standing with each other? And it began a wave of healing for our family system. See, what seems so impossible um, from our vantage point is now possible with God. And she just was responsive to that because I think deep down inside, we want to have right standing with each other. And we want to have right standing with God. In fact, the reason we want right standing with each other is God made us in his image to be in right standing with him. It flows from that given place. And on this Easter, many of you have come and you are in right standing with God. You are experiencing the fullness of what Easter is to be all about. But I also know in our gathering this weekend that there are hundreds of you likely not in right standing with God. Maybe a heightened sense of uncertainty or confusion, or maybe you experience some distance or detachment from God altogether. Maybe because of things that you've done. Maybe because you've just never known that you could have right standing with God. Carrie and I just recently had dinner with new friends. We're just getting to know them. And the gentleman shared that he has been for 50 years away from God. 
estranged. And just recently, in the last year, he uh, found himself in right standing. And I think that's the longing of his heart. He communicated that to us. And it's clearly the longing of God's heart, that God wants you to know that you can have right standing with God. That you can say that between God and me, things are good. Things are fine. Things are right between us. No, the resurrection, the meaning of the resurrection is you can have right standing with God. But right standing with God comes from whom? Well, right standing with God comes from God. In fact, go back to the, the passage today and you see it clearly stated. But now a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. And so you find that this is a news flash. It's like we're watching the TV screen. It comes up, breaking news, breaking news, breaking news. A righteousness from God has been made known. That, that right standing with God comes from his righteousness. And it creates some immediate confusion for us. Because we have an understanding that right standing comes from us and what we do. We call it works righteousness. There's something in us that believes that we can have right standing through what we achieve through our human ability by being a good person. I can't tell you how many times people say this to me, that God looks at me, I'm a good person. He won't have any issues with me. Or by earning it, we think we can have right standing. Or by keeping the law of Moses, <clears throat> by what we do and what we don't do. Or in my generation, we had a kind of funny way of saying it, don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew, or run around with girls who do. Crazy, you should never think of it that way. But that was the mindset of my, my generation and our youth, and it was crazy. But do you realize that, that we have in the infrastructure and the systems of how we live as a people, we reinforce this idea that it's about me, and we bring that into our relationship with God. You think about in school when you're taking a test. Your teachers do not mark the right answers. They mark the wrong answers and always leave you feeling like, I gotta do more, I've gotta do better, I've gotta try harder to get better. Or you think about our relationship with the government. I even hate to do this on Easter, but hey, tomorrow's tax day, friends. <laughs> Sorry, just reminding you of it, it's tax day. Carrie and I got our taxes in a couple weeks ago. There's always a relief when we get it in, but I can tell you that neither of us are expecting a letter from the IRS saying, way to go. It's not gonna happen. We're not gonna get a letter that says, got your check, you are in good standing, right standing with the IRS. You are a good citizen of the United States. Not expecting that letter, but if we don't fill out that statement of tax and what we owe, um, you know you're gonna get a letter. And that letter is gonna say, hey, just heads up, you are not in right standing with the US government right now. <laughs> you are not a good citizen. We feel the weight of that pressure. Or you think about even the simple things we do to reinforce this thought that it's about me and what I do. Can I just bring a little bit of Christmas into Easter? Would you be open to that? Anybody? <laughs> Thanks. Remember the song that we teach our kids, Santa Claus is coming to town? He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's gonna find out who's naughty or nice, Santa Claus is coming to town. I can tell you really want to sing it with me, so join me. <laughs> he sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows when you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. 
Did you ever think that to have right standing with Santa Claus, it means you got to do good? I just want to say, you know, check the lyrics and what you're teaching your children. Because we're reinforcing this thought that when you're good, you'll get the gift. And that's how we look at relationships. We're so ingrained in our thought. We translate that then into our relationship with God so that if I'm good or bad, if I'm naughty or nice, that will determine if I have right standing with God. And it gets translated even through uh, the famous, significant world uh, Christian leaders that we have. Take Martin Luther, for example. Martin Luther who brought about the Reformation, would change the trajectory of church history on so many fronts. But for many of his years, and his young adult years, he battled over this fundamental question, I am unworthy to be loved by God. And it burdened his life. He was a miserable Christ follower in those days, though a priest. And he would find ways. He would get up an hour earlier, 3 a.m., and he would pray for hours, thinking that that would move him to right standing with God. He would do more. He would do better. He would do good to others. And yet he found himself always failing, feeling like he was falling short of God because he was falling short of God. He had placed his hope and confidence for right standing in himself and what he did rather than God and what God had done until he wrote the commentary on the book of Romans and the passage that we're studying and his eyes just opened up to the glory of who God is and what he's done. And this beautiful priest, had a conversion experience and put his faith in Jesus Christ in a whole different way. And it would bring about um, the Reformation with new expressions of life and hope, of freedom and belonging that God truly did intend for us. So this is the new understanding, that there is a righteousness apart from the law, what you say and what you do. And it comes from God, this righteousness. You can't earn it and you certainly don't deserve it. You simply open your hands to receive it and live it. And that's the promise that we come to celebrate on Easter. That is, the resurrection means you can have right standing with God. And right standing with God comes from God, not from you. And right standing with God comes through what? Well, right standing with God comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Paul expounds on this in one of the most amazing passages in all of the scriptures. I call it a box of jewels. It's in Romans 3.22. The righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe there is no difference. Speaking about us, there's no difference between us. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. What a promise we find here. This little box of jewels, I'm gonna pull out four of those nuggets because I don't want you to miss these four important truths that make Easter make sense concerning the resurrection. And the first little jewel I wanna pull out, it is not a pretty jewel, but it tells us that we are sinners. And I love the fact that Satish, in that um, video story that opened up, says, the fact that I'm a sinner would influence my faith and my faith journey. And what I loved about that is he was owning the fact that I am a sinner. 
He's stating it is this starting point that then makes sense to the faith that I have in Jesus Christ. What he's saying is that there's a sin problem that we have. And sometimes today, we don't think of it so much that way. I mean, do you speak about um, sin in your everyday conversations? Do you speak about that even with your children? We don't. We tend to say, I made a mistake. It's a very different feeling that I have sinned. But sin is what's created this chasm between right standing that we could have with God and ourselves. There is a chasm, and we keep thinking it's about us building that bridge, and it's not. It's about God who has provided that bridge to be built for us. And so we have this sin problem that gets spoken of here, and he says there is no difference. There is no difference. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Why does he say um, there is no difference? He's, He's making... Um, a point here that we're all separated because of our sin. Now, certain sins harden our hearts hearts more than others, but the result, the outcome of sin is it separates us from God, that we're not in right standing with God. And he holds that up, that there is no difference. And he includes it because he knows that we have this inclination to think of ourselves more highly than we ought. Or we start this little game of comparison, you know? I may not be as good as Mother Teresa, but I'm certainly not as evil as Adolf Hitler, and now we feel better about ourselves, and we claim that. And he knows that we're inclined this way. No, he says there's no difference. We're all separated from God. He's just laying that truth out there. Let me use an example here. I love the game of racquetball. I played it three or four days a week for over 15 years, Um, and can I humbly state, I thought I was really pretty good at it. If you play racquetball, there are three classifications of players. There's the C player, who is a recreational novice. There's a B player, who's an intermediate player, that is, they're quite good. And there's the A player, which is the best of the best. I didn't consider myself the best of the best, but I thought I was a solid B player. I had a professor in college who was a a racquetball player, played all the time. I heard about him, I had never played him, and he invited me, he he called and invited me, do you wanna play a game with me? And I go, oh yeah, I do, I really was excited about it, to show him, you know. And I also thought about my physical stature. I'm six feet four, he's five foot four. I have long arms for stretch, he has stubby arms. I'm thinking this is gonna be, I got this deal. And we played the first game and he beat me 21 to zero. (laughs) I'm just saying, we tend to think more highly of ourselves than we ought. And we do that with our sin as well. We juxtapose our sin thinking that we're really good people. And yet we find this reality that Paul says there's no distinction that we all sin, we fall short of the glory of God, that chasm is there. But there's another jewel out of this beautiful passage that you wanna see. It tells us that God is just, that God is fair, that when we break the law, there's a penalty to pay. When you break man's law, you pay man's penalty. When you break God's law, you pay God's penalty. And God's penalty is defined for us distinctively so in scripture in Romans 6, 23 where we read those words that the penalty of sin, the wages of sin is death. Death. So without Christ, we're not just sinners. We're not just in need of a little bit of help in our lives. We're dead. And I just, I'm gonna say something that I think all of us know. Um, Being dead is a huge problem. Don't you agree with that? (laughs) Because dead people can't do anything to help themselves. And so we get this clarity that we are dead. 
And therefore, because we're dead, we can't do a single thing to posture ourselves to be in right standing with God. And so our human condition becomes really clear in this little box of jewels that will lead to hope and goodness. But I like what Tim Keller says about it, that you are more sinful than you know and more loved than you can imagine. That's Easter. You're more sinful than you know. That Right now, in this moment, if God showed you all of your sin in one moment, you would be dead like this. You couldn't take all of it. He has grace provisions that protect us because we are more loved than you can imagine. That's the picture we have, that we are dead because <clears throat> of the penalty of sin. Um, but through faith in Jesus Christ, the dead rise up, which allows me to pull this third amazing jewel from this beautiful passage that Jesus paid the price for our sins. He accomplished it. In fact, the passage says we are justified. That is, we are rescued, we are saved um, by his free grace through the redemption of Jesus Christ. Or Paul states it this way in Corinthians. God made him, that is Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The resurrection means that Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross paid the penalty for our sin so that we could be set free. So it's the divine exchange that the sin that is in our lives that creates this chasm in right standing with God is placed on Jesus on the cross. He covers our sin and grants us his righteousness through faith when we receive him. So when God looks at us, he sees the righteousness of Jesus so that we can have right standing with him. This is how it works. This is what God intended for us. It's not about um, Jesus making us just a little bit better. It's about Jesus reviving our cold, dead hearts so that they can beat again in the power of the rhythm of his love. It is by faith alone that we trust in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when we do so, God bursts into our decomposing heart, new breath and new life, which is what makes Easter the new birth season. And it's why I repeat so often the words of Henri Nouwen, a mentor from so um, long into my journey, when he says concerning our new identity, this new thing that's happened, that I am not what I have, I am not what I do, I am not what people say about me, I am the beloved son or daughter of the living God. That's what we celebrate at Easter. What does the resurrection mean? The resurrection means that you can have right standing with God, that you can have right standing with God because it comes from God. You have right standing with God because it comes from God through faith in Jesus Christ. And so it raises the question, do you have right standing with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And if you do not, on this Easter, I give this, I pray, clear and simple invitation. Take the hands off the steering wheel of your life because you think you're directing it and you're in control, that it's about you and what you do. It is not. It's about him and what he's done. Slide over and invite him to be your Lord and Savior, to take the wheel and to begin directing your life. 
I remember at 18 years of age, that's where I was. I believed in God. I believed Jesus Christ was the Son of God, but I had never really understood that you could have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that that's what right standing ultimately means. You could know the presence of your Lord in an experiential kind of way. I was completely intrigued into the couple who influenced me toward that faith. I asked the question, how does that happen? And I'll never forget what they said through the ABCs. In fact, um, I have my Bible, my first Bible ever, 1976. I know, don't count the years. It is what it is. And I wrote down the ABCs after they shared it with me, and I declared that day that I would have right standing with God through faith in Christ. The A says, admit that you're a sinner. Just flat out own it. It's what creates the chasm. The B is believe in Jesus as son of God and savior of your life, the one who pays the penalty of that sin so that you can have right standing. And the C is to confess Jesus as savior and Lord, that you begin the process of your life being transformed through the righteousness of Christ that is in you, making you new for the rest of your life and journey. So that's what I did. And I'm gonna invite you to do the same. Many of you are in right standing with God, so on this day you come and you celebrate. Many of you just are in a place where you just know you're not in right standing and you want to renew that faith because deep down, eternity is your heart and you want to have that right standing. And some of you have never known you could have right standing, and I pray this Easter it's been clarified. You can have right standing with God, from God, through faith in Jesus Christ. In a moment, I'm gonna pray, and I'm gonna invite you to renew your faith. That on this Easter, you begin a new journey, a new birth, and you begin a transformation. If you've been a Christ follower for a long time, if you've been derailed and away for a long time, if you've never known that this day would be the marker of something new. Before I pray, we're going to conclude our service, seems like the right thing to do, with the exclamation mark, the stories, the testimonies of those who have right standing with God and have chosen to be baptized. So we're going to conclude with baptism. Those who give confession of their faith that Jesus is Savior and Lord, they go under the water, communicating death to sin. They come out of the water, communicating that they are risen in new life because of Jesus Christ. And we get to celebrate that together. And at Westwood, if you're new, let me just say it's a bit of a different experience, but you're welcome to clap. You can cheer. You can be quiet, however you want to do it while we stand to celebrate these stories of life transformation. But I want to say this, and I've said this in each of our services so far. If you have sensed the clarity from the Lord, a prompting from God to say, Lord, you're speaking to me. I know that I'm not in right standing, and I want to renew my faith that you'll pray the prayer that I'm about to offer, but you are welcome to come even in this hour and be baptized. And you go, I didn't dress for baptism. Doesn't matter, we have clothes for you. <laughs> make your way down, we have pastors and leaders that will be right over here. Just make your way down during the song or after the service. We baptize people after each of our service who have chosen to come down because they felt the sense of the Lord bringing clarity to them that they want to be in right standing with God through faith in Christ. I do. I renew my faith, and I invite you to do the same. Would you stand and let us pray together? Father, what, uh, what a hope you give that we can have right standing with God, from God, not from us and what we do, but through faith in Jesus Christ. 
And Father, that is a gift that is so extraordinary that makes life better today in anticipation of life to come and the promise that it is ours forever and ever and ever. And Lord, we come as your people, praising and worshiping you, giving thanks. But we also come to renew our faith, to restart in this spring, Easter, the season of new birth, none better than putting our lives into your hands. So Lord, I know that you have been speaking to some who are here today, and I pray that you would prompt them and welcome them. And if that be you, just pray this prayer. Lord, I admit that I am a sinner. And it's creating a distance, a chasm between us. And I believe that Jesus Christ is Son of God and Savior of my soul. And that you have paid the penalty of my sin that I could never pay on my own. And I confess, Jesus, you as Savior and Lord, I'm taking the hands off the steering wheel of my life and inviting you on this day to begin a life transformation. Be my Lord. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would speak to each of us here, that we wouldn't be concerned about who we're with or uh, what's going on outside of these doors, but that we would be present with you and saying we say thank you for your rising over death, that we would have victory over death, life today and for all eternity. Hear these stories of witness and let heaven rejoice as we rejoice with them. In Jesus' name.